and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father, Rabbi Avi Horowitz, and myself, Ayelet, as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and topics inspired by the weekly Torah portion. This podcast is not religiously exclusive. No matter what religion you practice, please feel free to join us as we glean timeless Torah wisdom to help us better navigate the world we live in today, or simply put, just to give us something to think about, because that's always really awesome. So let's get schmoozing. Welcome to another episode of the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Um, we're super excited to be here, and we're going to be talking about the topic of holiness. Um, we might be also talking about the difference between holiness and sanctity. Right? We were discussing this yesterday, if the word kadosh is the same thing as... Um, now I'm spacing out. It wasn't if kadosh was the same thing as something else. I was asking if if you would say that to sanctify something is the same thing as um, something that is holy. So we can clear that up later. Um, but yeah, that's I guess that was my question when you first told us about the topic was, would you consider sanctity and holiness to be the same thing or one's in the means of the other? Um, that's what That were my two cents before we start today. I'd like to try to see if we can put holiness on the map, on the modern day map. I don't think you hear anybody say to anyone in any type of conversation, why don't you be more holy? Like holiness is a weird word today. I don't find people using it in the vernacular at all. Nobody says, be holy. It's it's a funny word, no? Right. It also conjures images of like, synagogue or like priests or rabbis or something that you're not really too connected to sometimes or something a bit more beyond you or like you said back in the day you know maybe some people will think about the temple or uh, something holy that's super far removed and not really um, connected to anything here and now today right so my my purpose with this conversation is to try to see if we can re locate the idea of holiness and the word and the concept in, in into something that's very germane and very, very applicable and important to us and that's that's what i want to accomplish with this conversation <clears throat> um so we start with holiness being uh, you know abstract you know like think about a holy man or holy woman you know they're what do they? What do holy men and holy women do? They pray. They pray. They do things that most people don't, and it usually has to do with ab- self abnegation, mm-hmm. abstinence, abstinence, giving to others, right, selflessness, isolation. A lot of the times, right? Sometimes it's associated with isolation. Being alone, somewhere remote. <laughs> the, so right on the face of it, if that's what you start with, it's it's it it has to square with the fact that the Torah in the beginning of the parsha says kadoshim to you. All of us need to be kadoshim, kadoshim to you, ki kadosh ani Hashem which is even f- farther, you know, from our imagination um, in terms of uh, what what the Torah could be asking us if it's saying you should be kadosh because I am kadosh. I mean. That even makes it more difficult. It's like, do it because I'm doing it. It's like, 
be God-like because I'm God. You know, what, 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 it, however you understand what it's really saying deeply, but it's certainly saying that it's applicable and it's doable. It's doable by everyone. Otherwise, one of our um, presumptions about the Torah is that the Torah is not going to tell you to do something that you can't do. Right. It's not going to give you like a maxim. Like Sometimes in other religions there's this like, kind of go-to thing, there's, there's this like idea, you need to emulate an idea, but it's really not doable, you know, you, you can kind of like dream about it, there, there are other religions that have these ideas, like, you know, be, a, be this type of a person, but you, there's really nothing that you can do to be that type of person, mm-hmm. really. Any, any one of the mitzvahs has to be a mitzvah that you can actually translate into, the, into practice. So the Torah can't say, be Kedoshim, and then one out of every 10,000 people can actually do it. Right. So, so we already have to readjust the thing when we think about holiness being that person. Because right. it has to be something that we could all do. Right. It has to be something. So, it's, so right away, it throws us into that challenge of like, how am I going to be more holy? How am I, what, what is it telling me to do? Really. What does holy even mean? I'm saying God says, be holy because I am holy, but what does that translate into? Yeah, what, what is it saying to do? What, what, what am I asked to do? So, so let's, let's start with another um, very difficult and very esoteric and very, I'd say, very deep transcendental, transcendental idea that, that comes from a, also a verse that we quote all the time, the Pasuk that we um, very often quote because it's such a fundamental verse that speaks about God's presence in the world, right? And it speaks about God. And it's basically a statement where we create God's presence in the world by saying it. So, it's, so we, we, we um, use this statement in order to create more presence. Right? That's, that's the way it's explained. And we, we usually try to do it in, in a public forum. It's like we're invoking the name of God and therefore <clears throat> bringing holiness into the world? Right, but we, we say it in the form, we have a couple of psukim, but like we call it Kedusha, right? So people get together and they, do, they can't do Kedusha unless it's a public forum. It's Which a, is interesting. A minion. I mean, you can say the words that appear in the prophecy of Yeshayahu, but... But the prophecy basically says, Kadosh, 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 Hashem Tzvakot, Moloch Kvodo. So, on the face of it, there's already a contradiction. Right? Three times Kadosh, if you can imagine what that means, in, in simple terms, you know, if, Kadosh definitely means removed. Right? Removed, holy. It's what the word means. Really? Yeah. If I'm Magdish something... I'm setting it aside from the rest. When, when a like, man and a woman are mekadesh, when, when, when there's marriage, that means that they're setting each other aside from the rest. To be holy for each other means to be only for each other. Exclusive. exclusive. I thought it was exclusive. So it's separate from the rest. Okay, By fine. definition. Right? All these concepts are related. So if you say God is kadosh once, kadosh twice, kadosh three times, that means you're going like, and they say in baseball, going, going, gone, you know, out of the park. He is 
totally removed from anything you could possibly, you have to say it three times because you're saying, don't try to think that God is somewhat comparable to something that in your own experience that you could possibly see or know or touch, certainly not. It's, he is, it's just totally beyond our experience. Kadosh, 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 Hashem Svakot, right? That's on one hand. But then, the second part of the Pasuk, we say, Meloch Alaretz Kavodo. His presence fills the whole world. Now, if that is not a contradiction, then what is? How are we supposed to feel about that? Meaning, on one hand, he's so far removed, but on the other hand, he's very much present with us. Right. Mm-hmm. So, in, in theology, there's ways to express, express this, you know, the mysterious... Uh, mysterious uh, transcendental presence or imminence you know it's imminent when something is imminent well there's different ways to express this idea but basically this tension of like being totally totally removed but yet being totally totally present is the issue here Mm -hmm. and somehow then we're going to understand what kedusha what holiness means and why it applies to us on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean? What does it mean? How is God totally, totally removed from everything, but yet He's still present? What could that possibly mean? You can't have it both ways. It's certainly, in our own limited minds, we can't understand that in, this, you know, in, this, in the same sentence. It doesn't sound like that much of a contradiction to me, though. Funnily enough. <laughs> I'm saying I'm thinking about, to the best of my ability to imagine you know, the the presence of God. And it, it really is incredibly far removed as far as we could understand something that is tangible, something that is um, relatable to me, something that is um, usable. But at the same time, we also have this understanding that God wills everything into existence. Like, me being here and all these sfarim and the books and everything is is part of God's will to exist and therefore God is intrinsically involved in everything but he's also not this table is not God nor are these books nor is the chair so he's incredibly removed in the sense that God is not this he's he's kadosh and God is maybe not the whole world he's another kadosh God is God is everything. That's how removed or, or um, distanced he is from everything. But at the same time, nothing could be without his presence or without his will. We call it Ratzon. So you're saying presence is will. Yeah. What is The world is filled with his will. That's what you mean to say. His will for existence. Yeah. I'm saying because what, what does it mean otherwise God's presence? Well, that, well don't say what does it mean otherwise because we're that's what we're exploring you can't you can't jump to the conclusion because otherwise what it means that's what we're exploring no i understand i'm just trying to think about what else it could mean to have god's presence well that's what we're going to discuss but i hear what you're saying it means will okay normally the word kavod does not mean will in the tanakh mm-hmm. kavod actually means presence i mean you say, uh, or or at least it, at least it means the idea of something. Like, I can refer to a, a person's ura um, kavodi. You know, David says, speaks to himself. My kavod should arise, should awaken. 
What does it mean? He's what he's referring to himself as his kavod means his his spirit, his idea, his what he represents beyond himself, beyond his body, right? His kavod. Baruch kavod Hashem the presence of God should be blessed mimkomo wherever it is from its place. Kavod actually comes, you know, kaved. It's 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 the weight, the weighty part of something. What what the real what the thing is, is, what the essence is, is the kavod of something. Mm-hmm. So so it is a. I'm, I'm not, just like my mind is like kind of freaking out right now. <laughs> it's like like. That's quick. Because like, God has no limit, and God has no power, and God has no. Goof and God has no, no, no limit. So I'm thinking about Shechina, right? There's there's a Shechina over the Mikdash, and we we often refer to the Shechina being a presence, the presence of God. So I'm just like, what? <laughs> How could you be present here if you don't have a boundary? Your presence is everywhere. How could you concentrate presence? Yeah, well, we unfortunately we don't talk about these things enough. I mean, this is the stuff of religion. You know, <laughs> where is God? Where how how did God create anything that's outside of Himself or within Himself? When we say mimkomo, what's mimkomo? So the Gemara says mimkomo is mimkomo shel olam. It's like He. It's not, it's not that he's in the world, it's that the world is in him. So he is the place. There's no place outside of him. These are all constructs, just to be able to think about it, right? But ultimately, these are the secrets of what it means to start exploring the, the, the science of God, so to speak, right? But, but I'd like to just bring it down a notch so we can just try to get to a certain level of understanding here that I, that I think uh, is helpful. Um, I, I, first of all, a, a, a usable term, like a functioning term for the word kadosh or the verb, le kadesh, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I like to use the word transcend. I think the word to actively le kadesh, to, to seek holiness or to be holy means to transcend. Okay? So what that means is like this. It means that we have different expressions of this in, in our, even in the Shulchan Aruch and even in the Code of Jewish Law. We have, we have ways to practice Kedushah, even though it doesn't say explicitly, but that's ultimately what it means. I can show you sources about that. But basically, when the Rambam, for example, talks about going in the, the, the most perfect way of life, which means a balanced way, right? Mm-hmm. Which means not to go to the extremes and not to... So go to the extremes would mean a person needs to eat, right? But don't be an extremist. Don't starve yourself to death, right? So you can be holy, so to speak. And don't engorge yourself and indulge yourself to death, because you are a glutton, right? Mm. You need to find the middle way. And the middle way is what he says, is what is referred to as shekol kavanat l'shem shemaim, that whatever you do should be for, for the glory of 
God, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That your kavanot need to be um, honed. Your 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 thoughts and your purposes of why you do intentions. things. And intentions are really the key to whatever it is that you do. So that's an example of transcending, which means you are utilizing what there is and you're transcending it because you're not falling into it, but you are directing it. So instead of falling into the activity of eating, you're directing the, food, the, the, the activity of eating towards a goal, towards something loftier than just what it is. It, in and of itself, is whatever you make of it. It mm-hmm. is not. It is parv. It is, it is physical, right? The physicality of things is neither bad nor good. It's just the potential for whatever man decides to do with it. It sounds a lot like con- it's like we're saying: be a conscious Jew, be a conscious person. Right. If you don't, if you don't constantly, um, if you're not constantly aware of what you're doing and why you're doing and what's driving you and where you want to go, then you fall into this unconscious routine where you eat where you're bored or you just eat what you want because you're, you know, fuddling around and you thing and you eat and then like half hour later you had a whole meal and you didn't even think twice about it. Right. So what happens there is this is this is where I think it's very important for people to 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 really meditate about because there are consequences to this. I think when we start feeling meaninglessness in life, when we feel empty, when we feel we directionless a lot of it has to do with the fact that we don't have kedusha. Mm. That we're not being intent. That we're not being conscientious. That we're not. Yeah, we are emptying directing. what we would call we're emptying the kli. In other words, we the the vessel is empty because we haven't filled it. So so what happens is is that kedusha Hashem is the filling of the vessel, and chil Hashem is the emptying of the vessel. The chalel is emptiness. So. So when we, when we want to transcend, when we transcend something, we, we take something and we fill it. It becomes directed, right? It becomes full of an idea, full of a purpose. When we have nothing, or when we do it on the, on the, on the, on the, on the contrary, when we um, do something as if to, almost to exclude God from it, because we, if God represents our good consciousness, and when we're doing something that we know we shouldn't be doing, so we're basically blocking out that consciousness, we're emptying that to a great degree the, our lives in, in, these, in, this, in this way. And, and these things, in other words, we're emptying these things from any type of, of meaning. And as a result, we're emptying ourselves and our interactions. So, so I'll bring up a poignant example, right? Because this is something that, you know, the commentaries in the Farshim bring right away. Like Rashi, it says, Kedoshin to you. So it says, she says, um, for example, this is it's not for an accident that it appears in this week's Parsha and last week's Parsha, but it talks about illicit relationships. It talks about sexuality and sexual relationships, right? Which is another, probably the key driving force of man. You know, to procreate and to relate um, between the sexes. And um, on that, uh, Rashi says, um, you should be purushim in harayot. You should separate yourself from illicit relationships and from transgressions. 
Because whenever you find the a person um, withholding and controlling themselves in these areas, that's where you find Kedusha. So in other words, withholding and abstaining is a God-driven consciousness activity. It's saying my general drive would push me in the direction of wanting to totally get involved in this activity. However, in order to do that, I'd have to drive my God consciousness away in order to allow myself to do it. Because a person can't at the same time think that they're doing something um, that really an objective onlooker would think is a great idea at the same time that they're doing it. So when people justify... We're talking about illicit relationships right now. Yeah, or anything wrong. I mean, Rashi throws in Avera, any transgression. Anything that a person has a, a notion is not something that they should be doing. In other words, in their clear mind, in their objective mind, they say to themselves, I shouldn't be doing this. This is not good. Mm-hmm. In the, it, when they're in a good state of mind, when they're not trying to protect their you know, ego, <laughs> ego and integrity or, their, or, or from becoming ashamed or whatever it is, they're, they're not in, boxed in a corner, they're going to say, I shouldn't do this. Uh-huh. They're going to say, this is not good. Right. They're going to say, you know, having an affair with somebody else's wife is not a good thing. Right. It, 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 you know, if somebody can, can justify that 100%, so then they have banished, it's one way or another, some evidence, you know, some, some what should be evidently true from their minds in a twisted way, and they've made it sound like it's really okay or even good to do such a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like places like Sodom, where you just like look at people who have gone so over the deep end that they've even justified stealing and justified uh, pretty much anything. Morality I mean, and cruelty. There, there's no ownership, there's no, any, there's no integrity to a person. There's, it's just whoever's stronger. You know, people, there are societies that have lived that way and have justified these things and they've ultimately disappeared because it's impossible to maintain yourself like that. Um, it's just you self-destruct because nobody can trust anybody and there's no real connection or relationship between anything. So, so of course, they self-destruct. So the bottom line is, is that in, in a sane person's mind, we are told certain things are good and certain things are bad. And when you connect with the good, you are insisting that these are my values, like we spoke about last week, you know, based on what I understand to be good. I, de- I decide to manage my life that way. And if I feel myself falling into a place where I'm going to go against those greater goods, um, the only way I can do it is if I banish my sense of right and wrong from my mind at that time. When you banish your sense of... What you're doing is you're emptying the clea. You're emptying the vessel. Mm-hmm. Right? And sometimes this can be a little bit more trivial. Sometimes it's incredibly serious. Because you're talking about another human being, for example. Right. So when people do the big, no, the big no-nos, like murder or adultery or things that have great impact, right? And they do it and be in a fit of rage or in a fit of lust or whatever it is. At that moment, where are they? Where are they themselves? What, what happens to them? 
What happens to us, right? Where do we go if we check out? Like we want to lose control as the, you know, mm-hmm. songs and popular, uh, you know, music likes to champion. It's like, oh, we would just want to lose control because then... Then we can do whatever we want. Right. But we, you know, then at the end you have to pay for it. Now, what I'm trying to say is like this. When you empty the, when you empty the vessel, you empty your life from meaning. It's hard to recover it afterwards. Um, it's like, you know, if a person convinces themselves that uh, their job really sucks, right? And they keep talking about how much their job sucks, right? Eventually, saying that the job sucks is going to carry over into that it's kind of meaningless. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, look, maybe I don't like my job, but there is a transcendental meaning to why I go to work. And that is so that I can support a family. And supporting a family is a noble, if not a uh, holy endeavor. One second. Before we go forward, how would you say then to tr- like transcend then is, is, is going beyond the me right now? How would you... Because if you're saying, I don't like my job, but at, transcending that means thinking about the value that yes. I believe in of yes. supporting a family. Take any example. Eating, relating to others in a regular basis, intimately, buying things, interacting... Uh, doing exercise, I mean... To transcend would be to go beyond the actual activity, beyond the actual feeling, beyond the here and now, and to think about that value that I'm... that I be, Being, because of what I am doing, I am currently consciously moving towards that value. I am living that value because of what I'm doing right now. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what the, it's a, it's a sif in Shulchan Aruch. So it, it being in the Shulchan Aruch, it's like, it, this is the code for all, for everyone. It's not just for holy people. Mm-hmm. What makes a person holy, ultimately, is how much a person is able to be consistent with this and not lose themselves. And not just say, oh, it's time to eat. My, my stomach is saying I'm hungry, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to eat. And, and then kind of lose yourself in that from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like when are you going to say like, first of all, who's maybe there's something more. Maybe I can be mikdash something else that's even more important. Maybe I can lift someone's spirits instead of going and eating now. Maybe I can, you know, I can fill the vessel somewhere else of that's going to create much more meaning. Ultimately, the idea of meaning is kedusha, right? When you fill something with meaning and direction, you're filling it with kedusha. That's what it means. So when something is particularly earmarked, which we're, what we're calling exclusive, what you're, what, it's another way of saying this has a purpose. It if has any, its own purpose. Right. If anything is everything, so then there is no Kedusha. If everything's the same and everything, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of Kedusha, like Kodesh Lechol, Mavdil bin Kodesh Lechol, mm-hmm. what we say every time when we go into the week, it's a, as we're saying like we understand through the practice of Shabbos, that not all times are the same, that not all activities are the same, that, that not all endeavors and, and, and thoughts are the same. They're different, right? And now, when we just celebrated Shabbos, 
we need to know that God gave us a whole panorama of, of choices and our choices need to be toward looking towards Kedusha always to fill we need to fill we need to fill the world with Kedusha it's, it's the idea so when we say that God's pr- presence fills the world that means that the potential for his presence fills the world so it's not so it alleviates a little bit the contradiction because God is God God's essence is something we don't ca- we cannot ca- you know capture in our minds we we don't be we're not able to uh, to comprehend it but you, that is something you need to know period because if you don't know that if you think God is like kind of like you mm-hmm. then all kinds of other distortions happen right. You have to know that God is so, 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 so far removed. Like His presence is so, so, so all-encompassing, and but still so, so, so uncomprehensible. Right? That that alone is what allows you to really understand that. Therefore, the potential for His existence and everything is possible. It's just up to you. Ah, uh, because He is so. That was not. Nice. That was like a nice mental click. Because he's so infinite, and because God is in so, so uncomprehensible to the to the way we understand things, then the potential of him being in absolutely everything is completely possible. Because that's something that can be done out of our right consciousness. Because the what minute it, the minute you try to put your head around God is the minute right. that he's not everywhere. Right. He he's where you can see it, hear it, get it. You know, but not over there. Which is when people start doing ultimately the wrong things because it's like the joke with the apples and the cookies. Yeah, <laughs> I love that joke. Yeah. <laughs> so for everyone listening, there's there's a kid in the school um, <laughs> who's in the line for lunch and gets his food and then goes to the dessert table and on the uh, tray of cookies it says just take one. God is watching. <laughs> so some kid then brings a plate of apples <laughs> and writes on it. Take as many as you want. God's watching the cookies. Right. <laughs> I love that joke. Right. Right. It's so innocent. Right. And just sweet. Right. But ultimately, it is a sophisticated idea. You know, it's not something a person can grow into until you train yourself to, tr- to think about God. Where we need to think about God and because we need to know what we don't know, which is pretty much everything. But we know enough to be able to relate to God. So, so what we know is that His presence can be found, but it's up to us. So the, that's why the idea of Kedusha is so all-encompassing and so important. It's, it's, it's a really, it's a biggie. Mm-hmm. It's a biggie. It's, it's a way of life. Right. Saying we're, we can talk about then like making Kedusha as the epitome of the conscious Jew. Yeah, we're directed, anyone. directed you right. That's, I'm, I'm just bringing it down to like back to the parsha and whatever I'm saying. If you would have to um, make this parsha, this uh, weekly portion, into into like a title, you you might be able to call it the um, the conscious Jew or the directed Jew or the focused godly person. I, I, I like using the word transcendent transcendence. I really think that that word helps the best. Hmm. The kedusha is to transcend. Uh-huh. You know, you what do you, when you see the when you I don't know what happens to you, but when I say the word transcend, I feel myself like levitating, <laughs> like I'm transcending. I'm not part of the. What when you you know what I'm saying? There's there's that? more to right now, right here, me you know, right now. Right, like get remember, feel the feeling right now after you just binged on 
some series, you know, some Netflix series. Like you just binged, right? You're there for hours. You're there for hours, right? After you finish, right, what do you feel? Besides feeling physically tired, but you also feel, I would say, to a certain degree, empty. Yeah. Because... It's like wasteful. You got lost. Instead of filling the clee, you kind of... Maybe you didn't actively empty it, but it's kind of like purposeless so long so what happens to us is like we have to get like oh okay well where do we get back on track to to get to that place where i can feel like i'm i'm going to direct the things that i have opportunity to interact with right i'm going to consciously right i'm going to get back on the game Mm -hmm. as opposed to being a couch potato and just being like a passive you know, observer of the world or of entertainment of things where you just kind of like, kind of, it's kind of like sleeping, but like you're up. numbing. Right. So it's, it's worse than sleeping actually, because if you're sleeping, so you need to sleep. So in order to, in order to, that's the transcending of the, uh-huh. of the sleep. Sleep, sleep also to... has a purpose. There was a great rabbi who was a holy man who his, his, when he was older, he had a, a person, a younger, a younger student who used to help him his private needs, his wife has already passed away. And he said, watching this man go to sleep was like watching somebody put themselves to sleep. As he, he would watch him consciously put himself to sleep as if he was, he was saying to himself, and now I'm going to go to sleep in order, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it's a job. It's not like a, I'll fall asleep. <laughs> like, I guess I'm falling asleep, so I'll just go with the flow. I'll be a passive uh, human that's kind of like falling into something. Just like, well, I guess my friends are all going, you know, I have all this important stuff to do, but I I guess my friends are going to go get drinks and they're going to go out to eat. So so instead of saying, you know, I'd like to go out with my friends because, you know, some of my friends really could use like a boost or I can... I can be there for them and listen to them and, and you know, fill them with my presence, right? What about also understanding, like, I'm a social creature and this gives me a lift for the week. I feel or, better, or, I work better. Or I can, or I, I will enjoy their kids. presence. I will, right. I'll enjoy their presence, uh, I hope. I mean, they might be acting like jerks and that I won't enjoy their presence. In other words, they in might In which be, case, though, if you come in with, with a directed thing and that's why you're going in there for then the moment that it becomes something that you didn't intend for it to go, then it's much easier to go like, this is no longer something that I wish to in- to involve myself in because it no longer transcends into the ultimate purpose of why I did this. Right, they start sitting around, let's say, a little saying, thing, you know, things that you don't want to be there for, things that are emptying Caitlin and not filling Caitlin. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we think you know, those are the people you don't want to hang around with because those are like the, what we call, you know, the frummies. You know, those are the frummies. But I, I don't know, you can put whatever name you want in it, but any person that lives a conscious life, yeah, sometimes they're not the most popular guy around because all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, you know, guys, love you. I'm just going to go now because I, I, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, not cool, you know, but so what? Sometimes it's, uh, you know... the we've all had to do things like that in our lives hopefully you know we've had the courage to do things that are not popular but um, 
not not encouraging being an antisocial, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you're stuck in a situation. So if you're stuck in a situation, let's say you're stuck listening to somebody who's really boring. So you can say, well, you know, just my presence make him feel good, you know, so I'll I'll really stare at him and make him feel like I'm, you know, I'll do something. There's always something to do. Well, I'll sit here and think about something important. I'll, I'll think about God. I'll, I'll ask myself some important questions and sit here and think. I mean, that's what we do. Hopefully when you have guided thinking and a guided life, you know, you find ways to fill your time and not to just let it empty itself out. Mm-hmm. That's also the idea of filling days, you know, filling time, the, the concept of filling time. Olam shana nefesh. You know, that there's... A Kabbalistic way of looking at things, you know, there's time, space, and then there's the human psyche. Those are the three great kalim, right? The great vessels. So in one way, in one way, you know, we're filling time, we're filling place, and we're filling ourselves, our our souls. Um, yeah, and that's what we're trying to fill through our, through transcending. Well, the reason why we need to transcend is because the world itself needs to be transcended because it easily can suck you right into it, and you can become part of the world instead of you directing the world. Huh. That, that's that's why the, the, this is like a. It's not like well, yeah, you know, it it it's not like yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes not. It's like really, we should really be on our game all the time because. It's not just like, oh, if you're not, so then you kind of float. No, if you're not, so then you're either going down Mm -hmm. or if you're conscious, you're going up. You're not just like floating. Right. Kedusha is a a thing. It's it's like that's what we're here for. Like Kadesh Shmova Olam, right? We're trying to sanctify God's name in the world, which means we're trying to create purpose, meaning all those things that are associated with, with what we... With direction is God, basically. It's God focus. Kedusha is very like you know to to wrap things up. We're saying Kedusha is something that is not for not for a few special designated people. It's very much, um, it's very much doable. It's very much for every one of us to do, uh, no matter where what religion you're from, what you're doing, what kind of person you are. The ability to live a transcendental life is something that not only can we do, but we we sh- should be aspiring to do. It's, a lot's at it's... stake. That's what I mean to say. There's a lot at stake, especially in a in a world that uh, we find more and more, especially young people, feeling a lot of apathy towards life. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that is is because they are ta- being overtaken by life stimulus, by life stimuli, and not filling life stimuli actively with their own initiative, right? Mm. Because, right, they're being taken over, they're being taken over by life stimulus. So, person says, wow, like, let's say you open your computer. I mean, it's everything. You open up your computer. Like, you, you're, op- why are you opening your computer? Are you looking again for a moment of relax? Which means like, whatever, like I'm open to whatever. Like there's some popular song like that, like I don't know, whatever. It's like like I'm going somewhere just to be open for whatever. Mm-hmm. More and more, our I was talking to Ema about that recently. Like the idea of like you know, I take my phone, I open it, but I open it now I'm open what to want. whatever, uh-huh. which means I might have had something to do today, but now whatever's there is going to take me 
let's say, two hours because I'll answer this, I'll do that. I wasn't planning on doing those things. Mm-hmm. So you're being, you're being led by the nose through stimulus that's being bombarded, you know, that's being thrown at you. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to follow it. Maybe you'll find some meaning, maybe not. It's totally like haphazard if there's going to be anything significant out there. You know, you, you're about to close the computer, you, you open up the window again, and you, you're looking like, what can I do that's like something, I don't know, you type something in like, I don't know, something you're really not interested in, and then you watch a video, or you watch some stupid nothing. You weren't planning on doing that. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of like, what, something in the human psyche just says like, I don't want to keep drive having to drive on, I don't want to keep having to initiate, I want to be, keep like having to direct my life and push it in a certain way i'd rather just like surf mm-hmm. want to surf life that's a nice play on words there <laughs> mm-hmm. right you know it's like kind of like comes the wave you know i kind of like i don't direct it i kind of like you know have fun with it make sure right. it doesn't like crash on me whatever but uh you know Right. And and so here we are in such a decadent society, such a, that's, the world is richer than it's ever been. People are exposed to all kinds of opportunities they've never been exposed to, right? There's a lot of opportunity out there. And yet we have probably from the, gener- the most depressed generation. And depression comes from that. It comes from like a lack of purpose, lack of meaning. Mm-hmm. Because people aren't taking life by the horns and saying, I want to focus my life on something. Hmm. It's too fast for them. It's like, I can feel that engaño, I can feel that like tricky purpose by just letting it flow at me. So a kid will get online and he'll do like a million things that are totally guideless, aimless, moving around from one thing to another and like he'll at the time that he's doing he's feeling like he's doing something but at the end he'll start feeling that gnawing feeling of like did I do anything really or what did I fill here like if I didn't exist would it even matter and I and I also see how that could lead into then filling the void with with more Voidness, unless there's a real moment of, of real awareness and, and consciousness, but it's then then I then you start I think understanding better also the allure of of uh, video games and stuff like that where you could do nothing but feel like you're doing something because you're look I I spent three hours in front of my computer but I'm now five levels ahead of everyone and you know I got three skins and Fortnite friends and we did a thing and we got together but like. Mm-hmm. It, it is. I, I. It's like a drug. Mm-hmm. It's like a drug because a drug gives you a sense of a false reality. And um, that's really what it is. It's, uh, it's like you're not really doing anything. In other words, let me put it this way. You're not, most kids are not directing their lives when they do it. Let, let's say you have a kid who's like totally consumed to do this video game, Fortnite, let's say, really, really well because they want to get to a championship and they want to, then maybe they'll be a blogger and then they'll make a million dollars. Okay, but if he's doing it consciously, <laughs> it's a totally different activity. It really is a totally different activity. If the person's able to do it that way. If the person is, is just flowing, then it's, then it's very pernicious. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Now, of course, not all activities are the same, and a person can, you know, but that's just like, I don't know, if a person, uh, you know,'s job is to day trade, they just throw some stocks around and, uh, you know, they stuff, whatever. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're juggling uh, all kinds of investments for people. A person could also say if they want to be, if they're a little bit more transcendental-minded, they might say at the end of the day, you know, I'd rather fill my day with things that, as I do them, also fill me with purpose. Like, I don't, like, what am I doing here anyway? I'm just like, or a person could say, look, I'm providing a service. This is what people need. So, uh, I'm providing for my family and helping other people to provide for theirs. Right, exactly. So, but you see what I mean? Right. You see when you say those words, how it, like, frames it in a totally different light? Yeah, for sure. I really believe in the the framing of words and re refocusing of activity it makes a huge difference right so th- those things are all in the line of kedusha mm-hmm. kedusha is you know don't be a spectator don't be a passive uh human being that just kind of flows and survives be directed and when you direct things you f- you generally speaking are much more apt to filling things with god's presence Especially once you get to understand that there's not all activities are the same, right? Mm-hmm. So you understand that like doing a holier activity means that this activity has much more of a potential to fill it with something that's much more impactful. Right, I think that, that, that was a good point because there are some things that are more inherently, have more inherent transcend, transcendence to it with, you might even say less thought, like giving to others is pretty much one of those activities that people always feel good from. They feel like they're doing something meaningful. It's inherently a more holy endeavor um, than... I'm, I've been thinking now a lot about um, just audiobooks. I'm listening to a novel and I have like an hour to finish it before it has to get returned to the library. And I'm just like, I could listen to that, but before Shabbos I would rather listen to something about the Shabbos or something. Like, what am I... What could I possibly you know, think about the reason of why I'm listening to the book, besides the fact that it's entertaining, what, how, you know, does, like, should I just not finish it? Whatever. I'm thinking about that now. Because, like, that has less inherent, that has less inherent possibility and potential for transcendence than something else would. Exactly. When you have to struggle for what the purpose of it is, it's probably because it doesn't have much to it, that much. You know, it's just... You have to like reroute it, you know, rethink it to give it something. And sometimes people are very are very masterful at that, and you know, even trying to be conscious at at the same time as trying to be conscious, they they become very creative about mm-hmm. why it's a this is like the most important thing in the world to do this, which sometimes could even be counter to what's really good. It could be a person could even do things that are horrible and say that like I pers you know, I mean, we just had Yom Hashoah a couple of days ago. You so you have. You're talking about the history of people who f- made their lives very purposeful with with, with the annihilation of the other an- people. Annihilation of a people. You know, what I'm saying like they felt good about themselves doing this thing. You know, what I'm saying that's mm-hmm. how people can totally totally miss the boat and and go in the opposite direction. I mean, that's why the Torah says kedoshim to you. You know, you be holy because I'm holy. And then it doesn't end there. That's if it's not in a vacuum. And then it says fills the parsha with the parsha with the most mitzvahs and 73 mitzvahs it's got more mitzvahs than any parsha in in torah mm-hmm. because it's saying you need the, the torah is here to guide you about you know where to put your money 
You know what I'm saying? If you're going to bet on something, bet on something that's going to have much more return, much more impact on the world. Return for you and impact to the world. Mm -hmm. So here are all these things that you can do to sanctify the world, right? Um, and to stay away from things and to, to withhold, you know, to abstain from doing things that impact negatively the world. Right? And, and a lot of times we feel like just abstaining is like, what's the big deal? But that's how Rashi starts the Parsha, saying like, sometimes abstaining from, from just sliding into something that's, you know, very, very uh, uh, desirable and, and, you know, pretty much every human being in the world like kind of falls into it because they don't, they're not really being a di- uh, directed and not living a directed life. By you abstaining, like Yosef Atzalik saying, you know, this woman's here. She's been enticing me. She wants me. I, it makes me feel really wanted and desired, and and this could be really a lot of fun, and I can get away with it, etc., etc. And at the time that he says, you know, I'm not doing that, he becomes Yosef Atzadik, right? That's when he becomes holy, he becomes mm-hmm. a holy person, right? So the, a lot of times, what we feel is to be impactful on ourselves in the world, it's very often counterintuitive to what the Torah feels like you just the abstention can create sometimes a lot more a lot more impact than what we think we need to do in order to right so um, because you know we we ultimately feel that when one person creates that God-centered feeling that God-centered decision it's it creates a presence it creates a presence of God in the world so that's Kiddush Hashem, Chilu Hashem. I like how you define those two in that, in that context. It makes a lot more sense to me. So <laughs> this is a wrap, and uh, we've all got now lots of stuff to think about and uh, lots of practice ahead of us about really being people who can transcend and focus ourselves to bring uh, holiness into the world. So amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Everyone have a lovely Shabbos, a nice weekend, and uh, we will see you next week.